Welcome to Three Boys in a Bar, your weekly film and whiskey review podcast. Join us each week as we review a film and a whiskey. You can follow us on Instagram at Three Boys in a Bar, or send us an email with your own film reviews and whiskey recommendations. Three Boys in a Bar at gmail.com. Now, let's get into this week's episode. Hi everyone, welcome to Three Boys in a Bar. Uh, this is Tom Minotti and you're with Will Atkinson yep. and Marco Mitchell. Hey. Hey guys, um, good to see you again. And um, I believe this week, this week's episode, Marco, it was your choice for our film. Yes, well, as I said at the end of uh, the episode last week, we travelled all the way to Japan for a Japanese animated film called A Whisker Away on Netflix. Uh, it's about a peculiar girl transforms herself into a cat to catch her crush's attention. But before she realises it, the uh, the line between human and animal begins to blur. Now, um, I, I'm quite a big fan of Japanese animation and anime. Um, like, I'm a massive fan of Studio Ghibli films. Hayao Miyazaki is a master of his art form, um, as well as other films like Summer Wars and all this sort of thing. So this, like, while it's not weathering with you, which is what I would have preferred to review... I'm not going to lie, just because that's unfortunately not available just yet. I thought I'd still take us to Japan with a whisker away. So, um, yeah, what did we think, boys? Start us. Start us <laughs> 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 All right, so, somebody start us off. Will, so, come on. so, so Will and I have sort of looked at each other, um, and I think we can read each other's minds. Um, Will, why don't you go first? Oh, you. <laughs> okay. Ah, right. So this feels like um, a Disney film aimed at pre-teen age group. So I felt like I was watching a kid's film. So if I try and review it with that in mind, I think I will, I will be more generous or more, um, yeah, fair to the movie because this is not... So I should come clean. Anime is not my thing. I haven't seen a lot of it. And the the one that stands out to me is Spirited Away, which I think won the Oscar whatever year it was released. So it, everything I'm comparing it to is that exceptional anime film. Uh, so A Whisker Away is not in that category. And I think if I consider it a kid's film, I think I might be, as I said, fairer to it. So first of all, I've got a niece who is 10 years old and I thought this would be great for her because it is like a Japanese anime Disney film and it is saccharine sweet. So from the outset, it was as if I was eating rainbow colored candy floss. Like even thinking about it, my eyes are watering and it was just like, just so sickly sweet. It's this, you know, early teen junior high school love story um, so part of me is now a 33 year old man I'm like so cynical about that kind of relationship stuff so for me the story in and of itself was not my jam at all but I would recommend it for people who have a kid my niece's age around 10 because I thought it would be a really nice way to get into anime but for me the story itself was just 
it was just way too on the nose, way too, um, uh, I mean, I don't even know whether I can talk in terms of believable and unbelievable. Uh, I think what I loved about Spirited Away was how magical it was. And yes, there's the art form of the anime, but the the story just goes into in these incredible places that, that maybe as a Western viewer, you just can't even imagine. Whereas this one, A Whisker Away, was just a bit like, okay, we're doing this sort of, you know, tweeny love drama thing with some feline action thrown into it. And yeah, I really, really struggled to enjoy it. And um, uh, yeah, <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, that, that is the sound of the movie <laughs> dying and crashing. Um, but as I said, I'm not big into anime, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've almost said everything that I can. So Tom, thank you for throwing me under the bus. But now it's your turn to uh, take on a whisker away. Look, I've, um, I have my notes in front of me and I really didn't say a lot about this film. Um, it's really just, what have I got here? I've said Netflix original animated film. The kids, <laughs> kind of creepy. Melodramatic, <laughs> OTT. <laughs> so, um, I, to be honest, I haven't really gone too. F- I haven't really strayed too far from the the, the things that you've said. Will, um, I thought. I thought this. This. I think, like the. I. I, I again. I would also. I, I agree. I would recommend that this is a movie for kids, um, per, um, particularly um, people aged between say nine to fourteen. Can I do that? Like, Sorry, my thought was it's. My first anime film, like you know, my first pony. I was yeah. like, if this is your first anime film, like, yeah, yeah. this is the one to start with. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I just thought, I just thought this. Um, I just think the the I can understand what the writers were trying to do. They were, you know, it was okay for the characters to be immature. Um, the the protagonist, um, uh, Mio Sasaki, she is. You know, she's a she's a she's a teenage girl who has this crush. She um, a crush on a on another boy at school, and um, it completely um, dominates her what she, how she thinks and what and her and her life. And then you see this juxtaposed with her situation at home, and the way that she and her situation with her parents. So in the sub, there's a subplot here about her mother having left her when she was at a young age, and so or only very recently I, I can't remember mm. off the top of my head but you have she has a stepmom that's recently moved in living with her with her dad and that's causing complications at home and then that in some way is affecting the way she sees the world and the way that she acts towards um, her crush Kento Hinode because he is um, it's all and then the way that she responds she's always so positive and exuberant around him um, but whilst I understand that it kind of just grossed me out. <laughs> it was, it was just really creepy. And she, <laughs> she, she turns into a cat so she can effectively stalk him, and that was weird. And I, always, I also feel like Mirai Shida, the the actress, um, she was possibly even voicing Mia when she turned into a cat. Um, like she was making all the cat noises. I felt. I, uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you look so I, tortured. I, I, it was I'm, just... I'm sure that she would have been Tom. Is there anything? Oh uh, look, wrong no, no. I, I could be completely wrong. I could be completely wrong. I just thought. I, I just thought it, the whole the, the premise of it just sort of creeped me out a little bit. And I can understand what the what they were trying to do, 
but it didn't quite work for me. Um, that being said, the things that they did get right, I, I, I quite liked the music background. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought, you know, I, I also thought that um, some of the um, the animation, while it wasn't Studio Ghibli, it was really beautiful scenery. I, I loved the I loved the way like the streets of their homes and the world that the world that, that the characters are in. I particularly love the ending scene where you go to the world where the cats live, which is apparently this big invisible tree that exists above the town. Um, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Excuse me. Um, <laughs> if we care about spoilers for this film, but I just thought the way that they designed it, the way that they <laughs> realised the way that this this city of cats um, exists, I thought was actually really beautiful. Um, and I thought they, I thought that was a really um, that was the strongest quality of this film. Um, but otherwise, I just thought I just found uh, I I just found it um, a little bit. Um, I felt I thought the premise wasn't quite right, and I thought uh, maybe maybe from maybe from my perspective, this wasn't maybe it wasn't the right movie for me, and there's it's probably the right movie for a particular audience. Um, yes. But um, but I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't say this was like the strongest um, anime that I've seen. Marco, so, what did you so, think? Well, I I agree with both of your points on a lot of things. This is not this is not a phenomenal piece of Japanese animation by any stretch of the imagination. It is not going to reach the the lofty heights that Studio Ghibli has given us over the years, or even something more recent such as Your Name. It's it's just not in that league. That said, I actually thought the premise at its core was not too bad. The problem was the character of Mio or Muge, who had the weirdest nickname of all time. The was it Mrs. Ultra Gaga? Gaga and enigmatic. Yeah, Miss Ultra Gaga and enigmatic. Which I'm like, I'm sure this is a translation thing as to why it's so strange. It might be a little bit less strange in Japanese, but the character of Mio herself is ridiculous. Like her whole characterization is based around her infatuation with Hyunare. That's that is her entire character. I th- I think the premise itself is actually not that bad. The fact that like someone turning into a cat and if it was more incidental maybe that she was hanging out with her crush and it wasn't so like saccharine like we'll yeah, put it, then yeah. then the premise itself I think has legs because I mean it's not a it's not a far cry from your name where they inhabit each other's bodies which in of itself could have been a strange and quite a weird MacGuffin for bringing these two characters together whereas so it could be a similar kind of concept between the two films but this takes it to a a whole nother level of just teenage unicorn poo yeah 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 it's like not not the worst (laughs) Well, I agree with you. Like, the premise is kind of, like... Like, there's uh, depth, but they yeah, just don't like know I how can... to realise it. Yeah, and it's it's kind of in the scripting that it's, like... It's, like, cheese-central. And I know I'm mixing my metaphors between sweet and cheese, but, like, it's so on the nose about, um, you know, how in love with um, Hindoe um, Mio is. It's just, like, it's so full on in a 
I don't know whether unrealistic way. I mean, I, I haven't been a teenager for a while, so maybe it is accurate. But like, yeah. So can I actually um, uh, digress for a second? Because apparently the original Japanese title literally translates to wanting to cry, I pretended to be a cat. So A Whisker Away in its original Japanese title literally translates to English as Wanting to cry, I pretended to be a cat. And that was fairly accurate to the way I felt after watching it. Because I really wanted to start crying and thought anything other than being human, having just experienced that film, would have been preferable. To be honest, that, that title, if it was directly translated, sounds like a much more interesting film than what we got. Yeah. Because, I mean, that... That, to me, deals with her whole home situation and running away from it by becoming mm. a cat, mm. which is the whole spirited away thing, running away from the reality right. the reality of yeah. home and like disassociation yeah. with that yeah. to a magical place. In this case, it's the cat masks. So there are so many good... That, mm. Like, I wanted to like it. I really did, because the premises, the, the bare elements could be there, but they're just not. I agree. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, there are. it's not walking road that hasn't been walked before. Like we oh, talked right. about with Your Name and other Studio Ghibli things like Spirited Away and all that. It's just, it doesn't do anything new. In fact, it doesn't do a lot fantastically that has been done much better by others. What this is, is Netflix stepping into that ring yeah. and making a film that is going to try and compete with Studio Ghibli and other like studios in Japan. By producing their own anime. Mm. Well, it's well technically not actually Netflix produced. It was actually meant to be released, uh, I believe, early March when all this COVID stuff. So it was already released well before Netflix was. Sorry, it was all going to be released well before Netflix got involved. But since COVID happened, they sold it to mm. Netflix. So it's right. actually a co-production by three Japanese studios: Toho, which is massive studio behind Godzilla and King Kong and even the western monsterverse films like Kong Skull Island and um, the Godzilla, two Godzilla films that we've seen in the last have long as well as uh, Studio Colorado and Twin Engine who are relatively new to feature films I believe um, I, I must say I hadn't really heard much about them before mm. looking them up after seeing this film but um, yeah so Netflix actually came in quite late but I think that there's definitely that Netflix is trying to push a diversity of projects within their catalogue, and I think they missed on this one. Yeah, and look, I think I think the, what Tom you were saying is that um, there's, especially in the subplot of uh, Mio's home life, there was something really in that that could have been explored, even just in the scripting slightly differently. Um, and unfortunately it didn't happen, but I thought that was really cool. And, you know, to the point about Netflix, you know, entry into anime, absolutely. And I think, I think it kind of does that well because, you know, those two points, so many people have a Netflix subscription and that, you know, I don't even want to say broken home, but the mother having left and the stepmother coming in, that's, that's now a very common experience. So I think there's a lot to recommend it to people but, um, yeah, yeah, it's not one for me, I well, think. I thought, I thought that had the possibility of being one of the most interesting scenes in the film, 
from a non-supernatural point of view is mm. when like I don't give a shit about spoilers I don't know about you guys but um, when she observes her <laughs> her mum and her stepmom having an argument but, yeah. over what was done wrong or right as to when Mio runs away yeah and that I think that had such an opportunity for a much more poignant moment as mm-hmm. a scene because she's finally observing the woman that's like basically run away from her life and from the way it's presented to not actually be really relevant in her life as much anymore and the woman that's replaced her mm-hmm. or that she sees has replaced her mother mm-hmm. both actually caring so much as to basically get in a fist fight over what was done about her well-being yeah that's that's like to me that's that's fascinating because that's the human condition that's how people deal with trauma and how they deal with interpersonal connectivity and dealing with the same situation that that's where they come to and then to have Mio actually observing that is a fascinating window into all three of their sort of like characters and psyches if Mio had more of a character then she's just in love with him thank you (laughs) I, I, Welcome I, to my I, TED. That was my TED talk. I just yeah. think I, I think that was I think you're right. That was definitely a scene that was that was capable of really sort of being a really important part of the story, and it could have you know with that with that back with 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 Mio's situation at home, this could have been made into a really good story with you know with the complexity of say a Pixar film. Yeah. Um, but they just didn't get there and I totally agree I actually thought Marco the fight when they broke out into a fight I thought that was again melodramatic um, that was going a bit too far in my mind and I think you know without having without being able to develop that story in a way which I thought was satisfactory it just meant that um, Mio's behaviour like even the, you know the writers call like the, the, the film clearly makes it clear that what she's doing is over the top because she's compensating for how she actually feels inside but you know without fully developing that backstory it just it just became it was just overwhelming and oh my god um <laughs> tom's, tom's having a mini existential crisis at the moment like it was just no it's just it's not that it's not that i it's not it's just more disappointment because i think that the, the you know this movie could have been really truly something and I think they just missed. They had the right idea, but they just didn't quite do it. And then, as a result, it just has kind of comes out in a way that it just didn't make it the most um, the most enjoyable film. I thought. Well, I think it just goes to show just how difficult it is to actually hit all of those notes correctly in an animated film, mm. which I think goes yeah. to the testaments of Ghibli being such a powerhouse for the last I don't know how many 20, 30 years, even more than that. I'm not even sure how long Ghibli's been going for, but. We're not talking about Ghibli, we're talking about whiskey. So, Will, what have you, what sort of whiskey have you, what sort of whisker, whiskey have you brought for us today? (laughs) Let's see what you did there. Boy, oh boy. Well, I sure hope that this episode is redeemed by what I brought in today. So, let's get the uncorking out of the way. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to say best one yet. All right. So, dear, dear listeners, this is probably the biggest cork of any whiskey bottle that we've ever had in sheer diameter. Not not length, but diameter. So it's it's thick. Oh, and you can already smell the peatiness. Oh, I don't know if you guys are getting that, but... Oh, boy, oh, boy. 
Yeah. All right, so not to keep anyone uh, in suspense any longer. So this is um, Elsa Bay. So this is a Scotch whiskey. Um, and it is the release 1.2. So this is their second release called Sweet and Smoke. So this is distilled in Scotland, obviously, by the Givan Distillery, which is owned by William and Grant, William Grant and Sons, which we know um, also distill Glenfiddich and um, Bavany. And so, uh, not so long ago, I think this is I think this is only a couple of years old. Uh, Twenty sixteen, I think, was their first release. Um, but the main malt master Brian Kinsman. Um, started Elsa Bay and really took to a scientific approach to distilling this whiskey. So um, basically what they do is that they, when they, no, this is a, isn't a blended whiskey, but they look at the peat part per million and the sweet part per million. So they yeah. literally do all their scientific which, jumbo. which I will say is actually abbreviated on the back as SPPM and PPBM. That's right. Um, so, so it sort of claims to be this most scientifically distilled whiskey so that they get the balance of that smoky peatiness, peatiness with the sweetness. And, um, and they kind of claim to be this data-driven distillery. So I was kind of, uh, when I chose it, I, I was particularly drawn, not necessarily being scientific, but I thought this is a really interesting way of approaching distilling rather than sort of the more romantic notions of we're just going to get a whole lot of you know ingredients, mash them all together, stick them in a barrel and see what comes out. This is kind of going to the other end where you imagine people in lab coats and clipboards and... <laughs> sort of algorithms running all sorts of, you know... <laughs> Almost like uh, mo molecular mixology. Absolutely. Very, very accurate, uh, I think, there, Marco. Um, so the only other, you know, interesting piece of information I might share with this is at the same distillery, obviously not in the same barrels, is where they distill Hendrix Gin. Um, and the distillery was opened by Prince Charles in 2009. So you can see I've kind of got a bit crazy researching this because I was so excited when I picked it up. So anyway, we're going to give it a taste. Um, we can definitely smell. Let's start with the smell because, I mean, the moment we open that giant cork, you yeah. definitely get that peatiness, Just right? wafting mm. smoked peat mm. all over the room. Yeah. Tom, how are you going? I, I totally agree. It's exactly what I'm thinking as well. I'm not sure if I'm getting much else from it though. It's the the smokiness is sort of all encompassing from the nose. Yeah, so it's pretty fresh though. Like it's not for me. It's sort of uh, yeah, like a sort of wood fiery smokiness. But I think where the sweetness will come in when we taste. So I'm jumping in. Hmm. That is incredibly smooth. I, from the smell, I was almost expecting something a lot harsher. Yeah. I, I don't particularly get the sweetness, or, or v like very much sweetness at all personally, but that that goes down smooth as anything. I wish I had a better analogy than that, but smooth, my brain's... Smooth as anything. Well, that's a hashtag sm for this sm part. Smooth as silk. Yeah. I think you come. I think you. I think it has a very 
I think it's it's quite it's still quite an overwhelming smoky taste, but you do have this really nice lingering dry wood fire. Mm. This is almost the perfect winter's whiskey because it does mm. it does smell and taste like a warm fire. Yeah, do you know what I'm getting? I'm getting a lot of that peatiness. This is going to sound maybe a little. I don't want to swear too much. I, so I'm getting a lot of that peatiness really at the front of the tongue, whereas it's not burning yeah. down the back. So I feel like that that sweetness. What you know, in terms of taking this scientific approach, I think what they what they've done or what I'm getting is that you get through the smell of it and the first hit of the taste, you get it really tangy, peaty on the tongue. But then as you swallow it, it's it's quite smooth. So for me, it's quite pleasurable. Uh, <laughs> so that, that, that's quite interesting because I, for me at least, I find it's quite smooth at the head. I don't get much smokiness, but it's more through the mid and then the aftertaste that the smokiness comes through. Yeah. Almost to the point that like the aftertaste almost like smokes back up through the back of your nose sort of feeling in a beautiful in a beautiful way. I was going to say you get a hint of the sweetness when it when you first taste it. Guys, can we say it's got the scent of the sun? You can say what you like. No, I, w I think I would ag agree with your romanticism of our whiskey here. So, scent of the sun is this recurring line that happens through the film. Um, maybe, maybe the best way to describe this whiskey is also with another quote from the film, <laughs> which is, this is a lot to take in. <laughs> Um, which is absolutely... Ha I can't remember which character said it, but I made a note of it because I thought this accurately describes my experience of watching the film, but perhaps more poignantly describes the whiskey. There's a lot to take in. So the universe works in mysterious ways. We, uh, we have a film that we may not particularly enjoy, but it uh, in some ways describes the whiskey that we yeah. all do enjoy. Are we in unanimous... Mm -hmm. This is one to nurse. Yeah. This is one to nurse, for sure. But I feel like if you pulled this out with a group of friends, you could have a long discussion around its merits, and it would give something to most people. Um, and it would be uh, an interesting addition to any collection. Again, unlike the film <laughs> uh, so anyway so for everyone listening at home this is the Alsa Bay Sweet and Smoke this is the second release um, yeah Brian Kinsman is the um, malt master check it out well thanks for that Will now I think it has come time for us to reveal our scores for A Whisker Away so um <laughs> I think we're going to throw to Tom. What did, uh, how did you score this um, film? Yeah, so this, um, look, I'll, I'll start with what I thought was great. And I, uh, I'm going to say I actually thought the sound mixing was good. And I thought the, the I thought the animation was good. Um, I really loved, I really loved the artwork. And I loved the world that they created. Um, so I'm giving that a three. Um, writing, I thought had some opportunity but wasn't taken and I and otherwise I didn't think 
I, I didn't think the dialogue was um, was that was entirely that interesting. Um, I think um, so. I've given that a two. I'd say the acting they did a they did a competent job. Um, I also I again because of the writing I just didn't, I just couldn't really be invested too much in this, and I I've given it a two and a half. And as for the directing, I've also given it a two. So that comes down to me as a nine point five. Whew, yeah, I think I'm kind of following your lead with most of that. Um, so I thought it, it's really interesting because normally we we kind of talk about story as the one category, but if I could separate the idea with the writing, I would because I thought mm -hmm. the idea absolutely had merit. It was just really poorly executed. Um, again, with this idea that, and look, maybe it is pitched for a kind of tweeny movie, in which case it, it hits the mark. But for me, I'm just giving story a two overall. Um, yeah, and the performances really met, you know, what they were given. So I'm giving that a two as well. Uh, direction, a two. Uh, but the technical, I will give a three because I'm with you, Tom, actually. The, the score, I thought it really again not knowing anime that well but i thought some of this underscoring was really lush and really beautiful mm. um and yeah the animation as well was was really visually stunning to to look at so that's a three for me but overall it's a nine which for me it's an absolute miss 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 go and do something better with your time Right, well, yeah, I, my score is not uh, too dissimilar from either of yours, boys. Uh, I gave Story a 2. I totally agree with Will. If I could take the idea and the actual execution as two separate story pieces, absolutely would. Um, performances are 3, like, with any sort of foreign language film, especially with animation and voiceover stuff, I think it's quite difficult to judge performance based on that. So I gave it a 3, didn't think it was over the top for what they were given it wasn't underdone um direction was a two i thought there was a good concept there but it just didn't meet the lofty standards of other international exports um and technically i gave it a three i thought the animation was quite beautiful but it didn't really de do anything spectacular or anything different it didn't give me any sort of new like visual meatiness to bite into which is what I was kind of hoping for from this sort of supernatural type story which uh, gives me overall a 10 so I said miss what about you guys look I, th I reckon a Studio Ghibli film anytime mm. um, but that, that being said always keep an eye out for new anime as it comes out um, no, unfortunately, I couldn't. I couldn't recommend this movie. Although I do think that it is intended for a particular demographic, mm. um, I wouldn't say as a general, as a general mm. uh, recommendation. I wouldn't say this is worth seeing. Yeah, I, I would also say this is a miss. I think if you're if you're into anime and you want to introduce a younger kid to it, there's better stuff out there. But if Netflix is the closest thing on order, this isn't the worst thing you could watch. But you should be watching a Ghibli or Summer Wars or Your Name or just about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right. Well, let's shake that off and look ahead to next week. Oof. It's nice to take a breath. Get out of that realm of a whisker away. Because otherwise, I might just...
cry and pretend to be a cat. Um, <laughs> anyway, next week, Tom, your turn. Yes, I'm excited about this one. Um, so, um, next week is uh, Spike Lee joint, <gasps> The Five Bloods. Yes. Uh, which just came out on Netflix. Um, just to give you a bit of a, a, a quick background about this movie, it um, was actually selected for the Cannes Film Festival. It was part of the official selection for the Cannes Film Festival this year. Um, and unfortunately, the festival didn't go ahead because of the coronavirus. But what they did a couple of weeks ago was release um, a... They made an announcement basically saying... Basically listing all of the movies that they were going to be part of the selection... Um, which unfortunately wouldn't be premiering at the festival. And The Five Bloods is there as part of the, um, I think it's part of the competition. Um, so that is what we're going to be, re that's what we are going to be um, reviewing for next week. And then otherwise, I believe, Marco, next week you're on to Whiskey? Yeah, well, uh, th there is a little bit of a story behind the Whiskey that I've chosen for next week. I was hunting around for something a little bit different and I came across the Dead Rabbit Irish single malt and I thought it was rather apt considering that I do own a rabbit which um, is about to eat my which, backpack which, yeah which uh, if you've heard us like clicking and whispering in the background it's because he's about to devour probably a very expensive backpack of Will's um, but yeah so Dead Rabbit Irish single malt sounds, looking forward to it sounds awesome well hopefully it's better than this week <laughs> <laughs> alright guys alright I'll take us out thank you very much Tom Thanks, guys. Marco. Thanks, Will. And for everyone listening at home, don't forget there's the Instagram or the email if you want to recommend a film or a whiskey to us. Um, just make sure it's not a crappy anime. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>「Thanks for listening to Three Boys in a Bar」If you liked this podcast, please subscribe, rate and review Don't forget you can connect with us on Instagram at Three Boys in a Bar or send us your own whiskey and film recommendations to threeboysinabar at gmail.com Stay tuned for a spoiler cast if we have one happening this week Otherwise, we'll catch you next time Thank you.